My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here, and it is a delight to be with you all this morning, to see you all here in person. So good uh, to be in each other's space. Uh, it's a really good thing. Uh, and for those of you online, we're super thankful that you're able to connect with us. Um, at the end of the day, we are happy to have people gather together in whatever way uh, that we can. But uh, it is becoming more and more uniquely special, I think, to be able to be in each other's presence. So thanks for being here. Um, if you are um, connecting online, I do want to recommend a spot that's kind of set up just for you to have a great experience. That's at onelifeseattle.org slash live, and there's some extra goodies there for you, online connection card uh, and, and some other cool things to help facilitate a great online experience. Uh, so with that, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into our stuff for this morning. God, I give you great thanks uh, for this day and for your presence with us. Um, I'm so thankful that uh, you are not limited by uh, some of the things that limit us, um, and you can connect and bind and bring people together uh, in ways that nothing else can. Uh, and so uh, I pray um, that anything that separates us from other people, um, Lord, I pray we would step into your movement of bringing all people together. Um, and Lord, and that we wouldn't do it as people who think we know better or uh, anything like that with arrogance or, or anything like that involved, but that we would humbly go and, and share what we've discovered in you, um, not just through our words, but through our actions. And may we embody uh, who you are uh, in this world. So we ask this in, uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to say, you know, Brian started off with a, a song where he made a comment of, you know, uh, Singing songs sometimes about, about Christians winning battles and things like that can be difficult, especially when there have been ways that battles have, have been won that maybe haven't been in step with what God is doing, or if they have, there's been a, a movement away from behaving in a, in a Christ-like manner in the midst of that. And um, one of the things I was struck with is that um, in the midst of singing that song, I was moved to, to not so much sing it for myself, but for others. Right, who, who haven't experienced uh, you know, uh, goodness in their life or haven't experienced kindness or love in their lives, that um, you know, there, there was just a move to, to bring people before God in, in my worship. And so at times, if the song feels like that, just I would encourage you to, to, to roll with that. Um, we are fairly deep in this series uh, that we're calling Discipleship, Finding Our Way in Jesus. And um, we have had, uh, it's been through the whole summer so far, and it's going to go through the end of the summer up into the end of August, um, and we've, we have a ton of things that we've gone through, and we've had some sort of guiding quotes and verses for this whole uh, series, and I know some of you might be uh, able to recite these all on your own, which is awesome, um, but they, they have been things that we have used uh, to kind of guide and shape this, and so I want to keep repeating those. The first one is by... Uh, Esau Macaulay, and uh, he says, as all of Paul's letters make clear, Christian discipleship is about showing how the implications of the gospel spread out in a thousand directions. Uh, and we've talked about the, the image of like a light and how the, the, the rays of light sort of move out in every uh, direction from that center. And then we've talked about how we see that in each individual and in the church as a whole, that discipleship is really broad and wide in how it gets expressed. 
Uh, we also have a quote from Grace Jisun Kim and Graham Hill. Uh, we must not root Christian identity in nationalism, ethnicity, partisan politics, sociopolitical economic status, gender, and other such things. Instead, we must root Christian identity in the discipleship to Jesus Christ. This identity is formed through a vision of what it means to be a distinct people with an alternative ethic, politic, and life together. And I just have found that idea of our identity being rooted in this thing we're calling discipleship to Jesus, uh, super powerful and helpful. And then lastly, by Caesar Kalinowski, uh, discipleship is the process of moving from unbelief to belief in the gospel of Jesus in absolutely every area of life. Right, and so, and so in all of these, there is this, this understanding of discipleship is really wide and big. Um, and, and lastly, we've had this verse from Acts 17, uh, 28 that I think sums it up really well. Uh, For in him, in Jesus, we live, move, and have our being. So everything we do uh, is connected to this reality of discipleship. Um, and the way we've uh, looked at this is, uh, is we sort of explored how um, it, it stems from this relationship with Jesus, uh, with Jesus as a rabbi um, and us as a student. Um, and what that sets up is it's, it doesn't just mean that we're sort of learning the sayings of Jesus or, or how he, um, you know, maybe how he said a specific thing or anything like that, but it's really, can we walk the walk? Can we live the life that this relationship between the rabbi and student was set up to be one that, that was asking that very question? Can you live that life? Uh, and some of the examples we've used are things like, you know, again, it's not just knowing the sayings, but, but why does this rabbi eat the things that they eat? Why do they walk this way to get to that town instead of that way? Why do they go to bed at this time instead of that time? Right? And so there have been all these things about embodying the life. Right? And that, that in that, there's this transformation that takes place. And Angie, the, the, the iPad has gone rogue on me. Um, so if you could help out and click ahead a few, that would be awesome. Um, yep. And so the next one is out of that relationship, there's this transformation that takes place. And so we identified three new identities that we're, uh, we're sort of become part of a family um, and that we become servants and that we become missionaries, right? And, so, and then out of that, we're exploring these ways that those things get expressed. And the first one was the way of dependence, dependence upon Jesus. Next was the way of encounter. Right, that in all of this, it's a relationship with, with Jesus. Again, not just, not just doctrine or rules or, or, or books and things like that, although those are important, but it's a relationship with a real person. And then uh, last week, we looked at the way of confrontation, which had all kinds of implications to it uh, that, that were uh, really good to explore. And this week, we're going to be looking at the way of justice, um, and for a lot of us, hearing this word might stir up a lot of different things, and so we're going to try to explore it uh, as best we can. Now, when I was growing up, justice was very important to me um, because I was very attached to this group called the Justice League, um, and there they are there. They didn't look like that, that, and whether you like the movie or not, I'm sorry, it was just a picture I got, but I was super excited later on in life. We can go to the next picture. Um, so this is their place where they... Uh, do business. It's the hall of justice that I found in 1 Kings 7-7. He built the throne hall, the hall of justice, uh, where he was to judge, and he covered it with cedar from floor to ceiling. And so for, for comic book fans, if you, you're looking for a, 
sort of bad segue into the Bible, you can connect it that way. But the Hall of Justice exists uh, in Scripture, so I thought that was cool. But um, <clears throat> if we look at some other more maybe reliable sources um, than culture, uh, we can look at dictionary.com, uh, where justice is defined as the quality of being just. Uh, righteousness, equitableness, and moral rightness, the moral uh, principle determining just conduct and acting in conformity to that principle, the administering of deserved punishment or reward, and the maintenance of administration of what is just by law. So there's a lot in that, right? And, and I always love definitions that, you know, defini definition of justice is being just, right, because then we got to go look up what that means, but there's a lot in that, and we don't want to just stick with that, though, because we always want to look at Scripture and see what Scripture says about justice, because even though dictionary.com has this big definition, I think when we engage with culture, um, we're going to find that uh, not everyone is, is on the same page with this, right, I did searches on um, uh, NPR, CNN, Fox, uh, several other news stations just for the word justice uh, and tried to set aside all the ones that were referring to Supreme Court justices. Um, but just the word justice shows up a ton of times on these different news sites if you search it, and it seems like the definitions are all over the place. And so we don't even use the same sort of operational understanding of these words. And so by looking at Scripture, we're going to find uh, some things that... Uh, are important. Um, I have one friend uh, who, who says this. He says, fair is bigger animals eat the smaller animals. Stronger animals eat the weaker animals. Uh, one of the definitions of justice we just encountered was administering of deserved punishment or reward. Right? But who, who decides these things? Why do we even care about it at all? Why not just let this be true? Why don't we just let the bigger animals eat the smaller ones? What do we mean when we say discipleship and finding our way in Jesus and how justice is tied to that? Well, we care about this because from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, this poetic account of creation, humans are set apart from all other creatures as ones who represent God and who steward and care for and live in creation and do so in a way that honors God by following God's understanding of good and evil. And what this means is that all of creation, including human beings, are to be treated in a way that honors the Creator. And that human beings are all equal within that. And we're to treat each other with dignity and fairness, no matter who we are or where we are. And that sounds really good. That sounds super good. Um, but we know that the world doesn't work that way. We can just look at, again, you go to any news site, anything, you can find Pick the issue, and I guarantee you there's a series, uh, uh, a connection to justice in that. Because humanity decide to redefine good and evil, to set it up so it works out for individual advantages. And we come up with philosophies and systems then that facilitate and perpetuate these advantages. And then some of these systems, they spiral, and so the system gets set up where, where one person or one group gains some power over another, and then it just keeps on moving because the cycle just kind of keeps reinforcing and building up that, that, that setup. And so some people are held down and some are moved up. It becomes easier to take advantage of those who are held down. And this breakdown in relationships in Scripture is often referred to as unrighteousness. 
we talk about righteousness and unrighteousness, we usually think about uh, behaving a certain way, like we're being good, being a good person. But righteousness actually has more to do with being in right relationships, first and foremost with God and then with other people. And so then you can see where that idea of behaving well actually impacts it because if we're thinking about how we're relating to God and how we're relating to other people, then what we do really matters in those relationships. The two are really connected. But again, there's, there's that severing of relationships and then that offsetting where people are trying to gain sort of an upper hand uh, on other people. And God sees this happening in the world and speaks uh, specifically to the people who follow him. If we look at uh, Jeremiah 22, uh, verses 1 through 5, we read this. Uh, this is what the Lord says. Go down to the place of the king of Judah and proclaim this message there. Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, you who sit on David's throne, you, your officials, and your people who come through these gates. This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of his oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the alien, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. For if you are careful to carry out these commands, the kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of this palace, riding on chariots and horses, accompanied by their officials and their people. But if you do not obey these commands, declares the Lord, I swear by myself that this place will become a ruin. Or as the, the version I have on the screen says, a desolation. So we can see from this that God really cares about justice and righteousness. And, 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 and it's an it's expression of care for people. Right? And so we can see this connection between justice and righteousness, that, that they have something to do with those relationships. Now, the word justice in Hebrew is uh, mishpat, and uh, it can mean a couple of things. Uh, one, it can be sort of a retributive form of justice, where it means if something is stolen or some crime is committed, a violent crime or something like that, then there's a social consequence that has to be paid or, or carried out. And that certainly does occur in Scripture. But more often... It's what we call restorative justice, where it's seeking out those who are being taken advantage of and helping them, advocating for the vulnerable, uh, and changing structures to prevent further injustice from occurring. And if we look in Psalm 146, uh, verses 5 through 9, we can see this. It says this, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. I love that phrase, faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. If we read further on in the Psalms, we find more of God's heart for justice. In Psalm eleven seven, it says, For the Lord is righteous and loves justice. Psalm 33, 5 says, The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. And Psalm 36, 6 says, Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice like the great deep. Here in the Northwest, on a nice day, you can see Mount Rainier. God's righteousness is bigger than that, like the highest mountain. We have the sound, but God's justice is even deeper. 
And there's this part of me that wants to just move in that. But we continue to see injustice happening in our world. We see people who are, who are actively perpetuating injustice and receiving personal gain and privileges from others being held down. And see, so throughout history, we have this, this movement of God saying, no, justice, righteousness, this is what I want. And people continuing to say, yeah, yeah, that sounds good, but oh, this is really nice when I get these things and I feel this way and I know it's pushing other people down, but I'm going to keep doing it anyways. And so God again responds. And God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice, the reality that, that each one of us at some point has lived unjustly, is to give. God gives his own son, Jesus. God gives his own self in Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are an expression of God's righteousness and justice because Jesus died on behalf of the guilty, on behalf of every single human, of everyone who has lived unjustly. And in this death, God makes a way for the unjust and the unrighteous to be declared as righteous. For those who are not in right relationship with God and others to enter into restored relationships. And again, this enables those who were once unjust and unrighteous to live a new transformed life, um, now expressing justice and righteousness. Second uh, Corinthians uh, 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Everyone who has in some way lived away from God in a broken relationship with God and others, Jesus makes the opportunity to enter into a new relationship with God, to be restored in that, and then be declared as righteous and be able to to bring about justice and righteousness in the world. This guy, Timothy Mackey, says that the expression of this transformation is that we would move in this way also. He says, if God declared something righteous uh, when they didn't deserve it, the only sensible response would be to go and seek that for others. If we look at Acts uh, 8.33, and I know it says 2 Corinthians uh, up there, but we're really uh, in Acts 8.32 uh, and 33. It says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Again, God so loves justice God would give up justice Jesus was deprived of justice in order that justice still be carried out but its consequences were on Jesus not on those who could not bear that cost you know it's interesting often when we have sermons on Sabbath um, we're typically talking about Sabbath for me right how do I find rest for myself? How do I find balance in my life? How do I rearrange these things? Um, I'm becoming convicted uh, on that because as important as that is, how come we don't talk about Sabbath for others? How come we don't talk about what it means to to go and, and help ensure that everyone can have Sabbath rest, to know the true rest in God? 
Are we willing to be deprived of justice for the sake of those who do not experience justice? Are we willing to give up our rights, our privileges, in order that someone else could experience justice? And this is the hard part, because we're called beyond words and social media posts to be faithfully present, active participants in the working out of God's justice. Here's both a, a critique and a hope. Right? We find in Amos 11, or Amos 5, verses 7 and 11, this, this whole chapter 5 is, is sort of a, it's a, it's a, a God getting after Israel. It's, it's a lament and a repent. Um, Israel has not been pursuing righteousness and justice in these ways. In verse 7, there are those who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. In 11, you levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. And there's several other moments like this in this passage where those very same things uh, and, and things very similar to them are expressed. And so there's this act of, uh, you know, turning justice to bitterness, casting righteousness to the ground by not caring for the poor and imposing taxes they can't bear. And I didn't put these verses up because I just want you to hear them, and especially this last part. And this is God's response. I hate. I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. I want to stop there for just a second. Those words kind of undo me. Just like in Revelation when Jesus, is, we're going through these letters to the seven churches and Jesus says, you're doing this, but I have this against you. We don't often think of Jesus moving in that way. And I can't imagine for Israel who, who has believed that they have been devoted to God with all they have, Here's these words that God hates and despises what they're doing. God says, even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Church, I think we're on a precipice. We're being invited into something. And, and, and you know, as we ended the, the, the first music set, you know, one of the songs we sang towards the end was, it was about you have done great things. And so even though we hear this warning, we, we see in Israel where God's saying, what you're doing I despise. God says, but do this instead. I feel like that's there for us to lean into. Because God can and will do great things. It's my prayer that we'll go with him. 
Over the next two weeks, we're gonna be talking about the way of prayer and the way of hospitality. And I want you to keep the way of justice present for both of those because they're, they're really intricately connected. That we absolutely have to be in prayer in order to be about justice, right? Specifically the way that God is about justice. The sacrificial, selfless space of giving, even to the point where we have to lose some things for the sake of those who are suffering and oppressed. And that hospitality is also deeply connected into this and that one of the ways we live, move, and have our being in a way that promotes justice are rooted in hospitality. And so we're gonna be digging into those as some ways to further explore this. But at this moment, I wanna ask the worship team to come up. Um, I have a few questions for you uh, to ponder. Uh, and once we go through those, the worship team's gonna play for a second. You have a few moments to reflect, and then uh, the, the team will close our time with a song and a benediction. I do wanna encourage you, um, one, because the prayer team will be up and available also. If there's anything at all you need prayer for, uh, please um, please uh, connect with them about that. And I, I always have this rumbling about that because I feel like, and I'm guilty of it too, uh, anytime the prayer team is up, I feel like these seats should be empty. I know we all have things to be prayed for, so please don't, don't feel like, oh, I can't go or it's not the right time. It's the right time. Uh, go, go get prayer. Um, and if you're online, connect with them uh, through the, the online portal for that. Uh, and also want to encourage you with these questions, write them down. Take a picture of them. Take them throughout the week with you. Ponder them. If you want to write your answers down in the connection cards or even one question, you can do that too. Um, they're there for you to, to do that. These are not just for a moment, but for you to take with you and think about. Um, I'm gonna put my questions up. I wanna let you know right off the bat that I changed them um, just as we're going through this uh, in my brain, so not on the slide. Uh, but the first one uh, that I wanna ask is, is, a, is a change from these. So, so those are up there, but listen to this one first and write it down if you want. It's first, what does a river of justice look like? or a never-ending stream of righteousness. If this is God's vision and what God's inviting us into, I think it would be great if we had some brainstorming, some dreaming, some imaginative expressions of what that looks like. So if you take a moment uh, as you're reflecting on these other ones, reflect on that one too. What does a river of justice look like or a never-ending stream of righteousness? Then, where do you see a need for justice in our world? Again, you can just think about really any issue that's happening on our planet right now, and I guarantee you there's a sense of justice there, but where does your heart go to? Second, are there any ways that you have been perpetuating systems or actions that have been part of humanity's legacy of injustice? Right? Maybe it's something you just became aware of. Maybe it's something you've been aware of for a while, but haven't, you're still kind of hanging on to that. But, but if, you, if you discover that, um, can you name it, right? Can you, can, sometimes we just have a sense, but sometimes we actually have a very specific, no, I've done this, this is the outcome of that. If you can name it, uh, please do that. And then the third, uh, actually fourth question, considering the previous two questions, or in light of uh, the previous two questions, uh, how may God be inviting you to participate uh, in God's movement of bringing justice to the places and people that you thought of in the other two questions? Um, because I do think that, that, that one of the ways that this, this idea of um, this river and this never-ending stream uh, is going to come out of the, the imagination in the hearts of you all, right? That's the, one of the ways we try to operate here is not just 
uh, not just from a few up front, but, but really from the congregation. That's how the tutoring movement got started in our church, was from one person saying, I have this idea for how we can connect with people. And so we're totally open to ideas. We feel like that's how the church should work. So with that, let's pray. Uh, and then again, we'll, uh, we'll have a song to close and a benediction. And please, if you need prayer for anything, connect with the, the prayer team. Jesus, uh, I give you thanks, great thanks, uh, for providing a way um, for us to be in right relationship with you and to, 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 to show us what justice is really about. Um, that it might cost us. We, we might have to move in, in a certain direction and maybe a direction that's, that's difficult or uncomfortable. Uh, maybe it means we have to set aside some certain ideas or preconceived notions we have about other people to see that everyone can experience um, flourishing and experience your presence. Um, and so, Lord, I just ask you help us. Help us to stay in the way uh, that you have made for us and the way that you show us and Holy Spirit, the way you empower us to embody and live out. Um, pray you to open our eyes to those moments where, um, where we've been working against um, your will, God, where we've been perpetuating those things that are uh, bringing about injustice in small or big ways. Um, and Lord, I pray you give us the strength to move, um, to move in new ways through transformation, through a relationship with you. Yeah, I ask all this in your name, Lord. We want to see uh, rivers and never-ending streams of justice and righteousness. Please help us to, to not only see that, but to live that. In your name, Jesus. Amen.